Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. All right, you can have a seat. Who's, uh, is that not a prayer for every single one of us in this room? We need him desperately. How are you doing today? Good, good. Um, good to see you. So last week we um, just had a very simple question, and it was, do I love God? <laughs> do I love God? And this week it's going to be another um, simple question is, are you ready for me? Am I ready for you? Am I ready? When I was um, Kid played all kinds of different sports, and it didn't really seem to matter what sport it was, but uh, a coach would always say, right, you got to be on the, on the balls of your feet, right? Not your tiptoes. That doesn't help very good. Certainly not flat-footed, because the balls of your feet, you're ready, no matter what it is. I think probably the sport that you needed to remember that the most was baseball, because you can stand around for a while and not have anything happen, right? And you're like... Right? you got to be on the balls of your feet. I remember when, when um, my son Nathan was nine and he was playing in, you know, nine-year-old league, always fun. And uh, he had a teammate named Andrew who was playing right field. And uh, no one really noticed because the ball doesn't usually go to right field. Uh, but all of a sudden, the ball got smashed to right field. And we all realized at once that Andrew was gone. We didn't know if he had been raptured or what had happened. <laughs> But he was gone. And, and so we're like, the ball goes to the fence, gets all the way home. The other team's parents are going crazy. We're all like, is Andrew okay? And then all of a sudden, out of the porta potty, beyond the center field fence, <laughs> came Andrew. And what happened, right? He wasn't ready. And that's the point, right? I know in basketball, we used to always call it the triple threat position. You're ready to dribble, pass, or shoot, right? You're ready for anything that might happen. And if you're not really a sports person, maybe you remember um, driver's instruction, if you remember that, right? Like, like if you, and I got corrected, we have a lot of fact checkers in our church, just so you know, and uh, apparently, because I, I was saying that you hold it 10 and 6, and they were like, it's 10 and 2, right? And I got thinking about that, oh yeah, that's a little weird, who would want to drive that way, right? But you get, you're in driver's class, right, and you're told, Right? You, you hold on to that wheel, you check it, you're sitting up straight, you're, you're looking in your mirrors, you're constantly, right? How does it go from that so quickly to? Looking at my radio, looking at my phone, right? When that happens and you're driving that way, right? You're just lucky you're not killing somebody, basically, because you're not ready. Anything could happen. And you could go through the same intersection 15 straight times, no problem, but at one time, you're not ready. And so the, the, we bring all that out is because we're going to look at a block of Scripture in our series today in and, and, and Mark, and it's actually Jesus for Mark, his farewell kind of address, his last huge block of teaching. And it's uh, a very popular passage for people to get engaged with because he alludes to and describes some events that will be the end of days. I have to say it very dramatically like that, right? Because... We can get crazy about the end times, can't we? And we can get all worked up just like his disciples. When? Who? Where? How? Right? And yet Jesus, as you will see, boils it down to one thing. Be ready. Be alert. Be awake. Be ready. Because you're not going to know when it's going to happen. 
But I want you to be ready. And so that's our simple question as we look at this. Are you ready? Let's pray before we go to uh, that chapter together. Father, I, I ask that you would ready us to look at your word together, especially me as your, your servant and vessel, that you would get me, uh, that I would not be an obstruction to anyone here with us or online with us to hear the truth that you need for us. Lord, whether it be a comfort or a challenge or information that we just need um, to live our lives better for you, that you would do that and you would use me um, to do that today. Meet us where, where we're at, Lord. May you be praised in glory and glorified and honored because we've been here. And so it's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Man. All right, so uh, if, and we'll put it on the screen, but if you've ever followed along in your Bibles, this is a time to do it. It's Mark chapter 13, and um, you know, when I originally was going to, as we're going through this series, the final week, um, I, I'm not going to preach through every single verse of a chapter, right, because that's a lot, and so I was originally thinking, I'll just choose a portion of this, but as I looked at it, I'm like, it's one block, like you just can't do it. And so I struggled all week, like, how are we going to do this? How am I going to explain this, right? Because this is a pretty controversial, a lot going on in this, right? And uh, so uh, we'll see how we did. The first people survived in the first two uh, gatherings, so we'll see uh, how we do. But hopefully um, it, it's a help to you. Uh, you know, it, it, the, if you remember what's already happened in Jesus' final week, because he's entered the city and you know, all the fanfare, we celebrate on Palm Sunday, right? And, and um, he, he, he judges the temple. And in chapter 13, the action takes place again in and around the temple, Herod's temple. So it says, and as Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago, Herod's temple was a wonder of the world. It was I mean, Josephus, the Jewish historian, says the stones were ginormous. I don't think that's the word he used, but you get my drift. And, and the columns, and the, you could fit 12 football fields in the temple. Like, that's a big, it took up most of the city. And the Jews, by, that, by now Herod the Great was dead, but they didn't like him very much. But boy, they sure were proud of the temple. And so they say, Jesus, look at it, right? And, and you probably know enough by now that Jesus was very unimpressed, right? Unimpressed. And so verse 2, it says this, Jesus said to that disciple, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Not one stone. So that's a crazy prediction, right? Because like you're looking at this huge stone, like how could anyone even move this, let alone all of it be destroyed? And so that has to be what his disciples are thinking. But if you know your history, that actually happened. This was in the 30s AD when Jesus said this, right? Less than 40 years later, 70 AD, this exact thing happened. The Jewish zealots had rebelled against Rome. Caesar had sent Titus as general with a huge army. And with the, Josephus again tells us the instructions were clear. By the time you're done, Titus, make sure that nobody ever even knew that temple was there. And that's exactly what he did. And so this would all come to pass just four decades or a little less than that later. Now, why this is so, what really you have to understand is if you were a, a Jewish person in that day when Jesus was living, the prevailing view was that when the temple is under attack, the Messiah will come, usher in the kingdom of God, and the end times are here. So, and, and so they believed if, if that's going to happen, what Jesus is predicting, that means the end 
of days. And so that, that's what they're really saying when they want to know when this is going to happen, when is the end of days? They're asking that question. And Jesus needs to clarify that the, the destruction of the temple is the beginning of the end to which we're still living in, right? So watch how uh, that stirs up a question, and they change scenery a little bit here. It says, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, right? That's kind of where they descended uh, uh, on Palm Sunday. It's just a glorious view of this amazing temple. Now they're looking at it. And so it's an opportunity where Peter, James, John, and Andrew, kind of the top four of the apostles, right? They, they, they get to Jesus privately. They ask him privately, tell us when these things will be. And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And so what, what they really want to know is, when's the end coming? Same question you guys have. Like, when's that going to happen, right? When's all this going to take place? And you're going to see, in answer to this, Jesus is far less worried about the future as he is and how the future should drive our present, how we live and how we're ready for when that future comes. So he's not going to go, all right, guys, look, get out your Google calendars. Here's a date. Set a reminder. He's not going to do that. Instead, he's going to uh, say, here's how to live in light of that. And so Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Right? So all of that was fulfilled in and around the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. Rumors of war, especially in the 40s, it kind of started there, um, A.D., that, that there was all this unrest in this uh, a possible rebellion and revolution in Rome, rumors of these different wars, and it was very disconcerting. And anytime the, attitude, the, the climate is, is upsetting, it rises leaders that say, follow me. And so Jesus says, don't listen to them who are saying they're the Christ. And if you read in history, there were several that popped up and led great followings to their demise and saying that they were the Christ, that they were the, the, the and sometimes even saying that they were Jesus himself. There were earthquakes around then. One of them you might have heard of called Pompeii. Remember that? All in the 60s, coming, leading up to 70 AD. Right? There were famines. There were the false Christ. Right? And so, so this was fulfilled um, in, 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 in around the destruction of the temple. But it's also what he calls, and it's so important, that's why I stopped here, the, 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 the metaphor that Jesus uses, birth pain. How many moms we got here? Raise your hand. Yeah. All right, good. Any dads here? Okay, we don't want you raising your hand. Put your, you don't know. You don't know about this. Just kidding. So birth pains, right? Even if you're not a mom or dad, like you, you probably know someone who's been through the process and have some idea of what it's like. He uses it very specifically. This is why we get confused in this chapter. Is he talking about 70 AD? Is he talking about the end times? Is he talking about in between? Yes, right? Because Think about it. Like when you first get that first birth pain, and I feel uncomfortable even saying this, but it's really not all that bad, is it? Right? Uh, in comparison, right? And it depends, I know. But in general, I know when Heather was first, her first pregnancy, like she like 
was getting birth pangs and cleaning the house, saying, well, I don't know, the next time I'm going to be able to clean my house. And I'm like, you're going into labor, this doesn't seem right. But it was uncomfortable, I was like, ooh, right? But what happens over time in that labor is the birth pains get, they increase and increase and increase in both frequency and intensity, don't they? And so that's kind of like what this is. The events of 70 AD, they're going to repeat themselves uh, to some degree, right? The unrest, rumors of war, famines, earthquakes, right? And, and they'll increase in intensity and increase in frequency until there will be an end, right? However, moms, what got you through that labor? Besides the drugs, you don't have to say that, all right? Knowing what was coming, right? If you didn't know that, you probably would have been like, just, just take care of me. I want out of this, right? This is too painful. But you know there's a baby coming. Right? There is an end coming. And so Jesus uses this very precise metaphor to say these are just a beginning. I know you think the destruction of the temple is going to mean the end. It's not. There's going to be a process. And you and I are still living in the labor. And where are we? We don't know. But we're there. And so we need to understand to some degree we're going to experience these at some uh, level of, in, of intensity. But Jesus doesn't uh, want us so worried about the real questions. Jamie, tell me who the Antichrist is. What about Russia? What about Ukraine? Maybe you have a little table in a corner of your attic somewhere where you put up graphs and charts and you're on some of those websites and you want to figure it out. That's the wrong question, right? The right question is, are you ready? Are you ready? And specifically here, I want you to see, as part of that readiness is to know the imposters. You said, watch out. They're going to jump up and they're going to say, over here, let me tell you something about Jesus that you never knew. <gasps> is that true? How do you know? How do you know that it's not true? How do you know you shouldn't follow him? Well, your readiness is studying the real Jesus, getting to know the real thing, the real person. I mean, it's, I've used the illustration many times. Another fact checker got me, by the way, last night when I said, I've used this before, where uh, when the FBI studied counterfeit money and they were like, that's actually the Secret Service that does that. <sighs> Thank you, Steve Dion, by the way. <laughs> I'm glad he's always listening to the most important parts of my sermon, right? Um, but no, I'm glad. I'm glad. So Secret Service, right? And they, they, what do they do? They don't really study all the way counterfeiting money. They study the real thing. They become experts on what the real bill looks like. So when you try a really good imposter, they're like, no, because I know the real thing. And if I were to some of our kids here, like, even if they're just about two years old, I'm talking really young, enough to be able to just sort of talk and walk, right? That if I were to go up to them, uh, and this is really creepy, so I won't do it, but if I were to go up to them and say, hey, I'm your dad. Why don't you come home with me? I know that's creepy, right? I won't do that. Don't worry. And, and, and that, I don't care how young they are. They'd be like, no, you're not my dad, weirdo, right? Why? Because they know their real dad. And they didn't sit down and take notes and study. They just know their dad because they spend time with their dad, right? They know who their dad is. And so that's the point of our readiness is we, there's lots of great, beautiful reasons to get to know who Jesus is, but this is just one of them. So when the imposters come up and say, Jesus wants you to do this, or I want you to do that, you're like, no, 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 that's not who Jesus is. I've read the book. 
I've spent time in prayer. I've spent time in worship. I've gathered with other believers. I've, I, I grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? That's why we, we have many people gathering in groups and reading Gentle and Lowly together because it's, it's learning more about the heart of Jesus. You're never, uh, ever going to stop learning about Jesus. Right? We have some of you, man, you're in the 80s, 90s. Are you going to stop? No. You're going to keep going and growing in who Christ is. So when that's one of the most beautiful ways that you and I can be ready is to know who the real Jesus is. And so he continues in verse 9. And, and this, this portion here, it could be described as a commentary of the early chapters of Acts. Right? Watch what he says. But be on your guard. There it is again. What does that mean? Lack of readiness? No. Right? You, you're, you're, you're ready. Be on your guard. Balls of your feet. Triple threat, right? For they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. That happened, and it still happens. That's the point, the persecution and the opportunity. And I love how in verse 10, he, he just kind of inserts this to, to the confusion of some who have studied this. Like This kind of seems like a weird place. For, I don't think it is at all, because he's reminding them in the midst of all of this persecution, there is a mission that we are on. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. That's it. And you see that in Acts. You see that today, right? They were trying to stay in Jerusalem, but persecution pushed them out. And what did they do when they left? They brought the gospel with them. When Paul was dragged in front of some of the highest level officials, what did he bring them? The gospel. Today, what do our missionaries, they go with what? The gospel. Right? Whether it's to our neighbor next door or to another people group across the world, we're proclaiming and bringing the gospel. That's the mission. And Jesus says, in all of that, don't lose sight of your mission. Tell people about who I am, that I died for their sins, that I rose in victory. And as we'll see, I'm coming again in glory. Tell them. Tell them about it. Right? And so he, he continues, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? That when you're under the most intense persecution, and that might be you. I know sometimes we're like, eh, I mean, persecution to us is someone you know, yelling at us on Facebook, right? But we actually have brothers and sisters right here today who believe they're living through the tribulation because their life is so hard. So many. This birth pain has continued to ripple, and it's gotten worse. The 20th century, we're now in the 21st if you're counting. The 20th century, there was more martyred for their Christian faith than all the previous centuries combined. Right? There are people who are meeting and worshiping Christ right this second in secret because if someone finds out, they will be killed. Right? So this happens today. It's going to keep happening until it culminates in the end when it's at its very worst. The birth pains. Right? It's, uh, he, he continues, even worse, families. Brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father is child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's kind of a weird 
verse to us? Like, was he saying that we got to just, just gut it out? And if we do, he'll save us? No. What he's saying is that if you're really in Christ, he's going he's to pers- preserve you. And no matter what happens to you, no matter how bad it gets, you will be saved. He's not going to lose any of his own. And that includes you if you're really in Christ, if you're ready. He says, be ready. I will preserve you. I will be with you. The Spirit of God will be with you. You're not alone. And so the readiness comes with courage in the face of fear. We will suffer persecution. I don't know what kind. And I don't know what form it will take. take, And I don't know when it will happen. But we will. We will. And so be ready with courage. But here's the courage. It doesn't come from you. I remember just, just recently I saw this funny video where there was like three or four cats, and they were clearly against this other cat, right? And I was like, oh, this isn't going to go well. Like, what's going to happen here? And all of a sudden, the cat's just kind of facing them, right? All three of those, the, uh, four of those cats, they, they run the other way. And the cat's like, huh. But behind the cat, you can see his huge dog in the same household, right? And so the cat's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the cat actually did that, but you know what I mean. And that's you, right? You can have courage in whatever comes your way because the power of the Spirit is with you, right? You have the whole armor of God that we talked about in that series recently, right? You can face it with courage because God will give you the words to speak. God will preserve you to the end. Do not let fear, it's one of the things Jesus was so worried, fear of persecution knock you off of where you're supposed to be in obedience and trust. And you read the book of Acts, man, the disciples, they, they got whipped, right? There's flesh hanging from their back, and they're like, woo right? I'm like, oh my gosh, I just don't know if I could do that. But the reason they did that is because they were suffering for his name. And they said, isn't that awesome that we get to be like Jesus? And that's us. Hopefully not whipped, right? But maybe, maybe you'll lose your job. Maybe, I don't know. Be ready, but have courage because you aren't alone. You aren't alone. And so as, as we round the bend of verse 14 in this, this is the most, I don't want to say controversial, I'll just say debated part of this chapter. All right, and there's, there's scholars that believe this thing, and then there's scholars that believe this, and then there's scholars that are here, and I just want to be real frank with you guys, I'm not a scholar, all right? So I'm reading, I'm like, come on, people, let's get, to, get our stuff together here, right? And yet, that's what, it's a hard, because it's birth pains, right? And it's sort of like, yes, it's here, yes, it's there, and, and it's going to happen repetitiously, it can get confusing. So some think this, portion, this passage is all, again, referring to the events that have already happened in our lifetime, right? In, before our lifetime, in 70 AD, I should say. Others think we're just talking about the end, Right? Others think it's somewhere in between, kind of fulfilled in 70 AD, but it's going to get worse and worse and worse until the end. I kind of fall there. Mostly we're talking about the end. And you'll notice the, the scriptures we've already read, he kept saying these things, right, in the answer to their question. And now it's kind of shifts to those days. And I think those days sort of targets there's a future time, that while some of this has already been fulfilled, 70 AD and since, it's going to have its ultimate fulfillment at the end. All right, so it really begins with this famous phrase. Many of you have heard it, but when you see the abomination of desolation. You have to say that dramatically, right? Standing where he ought not to be. And then Mark inserts this, I think, because 
Jesus was speaking, right? So Mark says, let the reader understand. So he's talking to you and me, right? We're the reader. So pay attention. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, what is this? This is actually the first place we see this term in the Bible. Three times in the book of Daniel where he's talking about a time in the temple where something will be such an abomination to God that devout Jews will run, right? Desolation, deserted. And this was actually primarily fulfilled in the in-between time, right, between the end of the Old Testament and before Jesus comes on the scene. So we call the Maccabean period, okay? And, and there was this, uh, uh, this guy goes into the temple, right, into the Holy of Holies. If you were with us during the Leviticus series, we've talked about how important that is. No one goes there. Goes in there, erects a statue of Zeus, and he sacrifices a pig. If you're Jewish, there's nothing worse. That was an abomination. And Jewish zealots fl- just fled the city. And it caused an uprising that actually gained Jewish independence for the first time and really the only time for, since Babylon, right? Because of the Maccabean revolt. And so everyone said that's the, that definitely the fulfillment of the abomination that caused desolation. Yet others have said, I don't know, because now Jesus, that happened already. Now Jesus is talking about it. So what he's talking about is 70 AD, because what happened when Titus came, he, when they came to destroy the temple, he went to the Holy of Holies. And tons of Jewish people fled, right? And, and so maybe he's talking about that. Probably, right? But then there's this, in other places we read of this man of lawlessness, right? That there's going to come an even greater and worse way of someone causing an abomination, an affront to God that creates desolation. And so Jesus says, this is what what you do. And this was immediately fulfilled in 70 AD and, and will in the end as well. He says, and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. Now in 70 AD, um, the destruction of the temple, uh, it was in spring. But it actually happened, it was, it was just at the end of winter. This isn't, he's not talking about cold. And the terrain around them, the riverbeds and streams, the water in the winter gets really high and you can't pass. So he's like, if you want to leave the city, you won't be able to. That's what he's talking about there. And that literally happened uh, when, that, when Titus destroyed the temple. And, and then he continues, though. For in those days, there will be such tribulation has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. This is why I think he's got to be talking about the future. The worst possible time didn't already happen. It's coming. A tribulation that is so bad that we've never seen the likes of it before. We've seen tribulations, birth pangs, but this is just going to get even worse. And so, thanks Jesus for this parting uh, thought, right? This is pretty, pretty dark right now, and he keeps it going. He says, and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, of those who are in Christ, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And so if God in his mercy doesn't shorten the days, in that end time, we'd all not, we would all die. But in his grace, he shortens the days. And if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. 
But here it is. Be on guard. Be ready. I've told you all these things beforehand. So again, in that time, prophets are going to raise up, and they're going to do some amazing things. Jesus says, that's not me. And you know how we know? He's going to tell us how he's coming back. And you will know. And you will know. You see, it gets even darker. And those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. This is mostly drawn from Old Testament prophecy, mainly Joel. But that's dark. Can you imagine that? If you're in that time and it's like literally chaos erupts. The moon, the star, like everything. If you're ever going to give up hope, it would be in that moment, wouldn't it? And so he says, all right, I've told you these things, right? When that happens, right, he says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Don't you wish it would happen while I'm reading it? That would be pretty awesome. Maybe it will. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Right? So that's the hope that, that, that in the darkest times, that's what Jesus is making sure they understand. This isn't when the temple's destroyed. It's the beginning, but at the end, when it's at the very darkest, when chaos erupts, and that's when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, the Son of Man is Lord. There will be no mistaken. There will be no uh, stables in Bethlehem. This is power. This is glory. This is authority. And everyone will know. He says, that will happen. You don't lose hope, ever. Whatever comes, you fix your eyes on the hope who is Christ. One of the greatest ways you are to be alert and we're to be alert together is to never, ever lose hope. I talk to too many Christians that are afraid of the end. Is this the end? I hope it's not. Why not? It's exciting. Yes, it'll be hard, but this is coming, right? It's like when you are in labor, moms, the birth is coming. And for us, our Lord is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come. May he come soon. That's our prayer. We fix our eyes on hope. You know, I wasn't planning on doing this, but we had a celebration of life for Joan, and I brought out the rope of hope for, in honor of her because she loved it. So while it's here, let me just bring it out for you. Most of you know this, but this rope, it represents your life, right? It's everlasting. There's no end to it. This green tape, this is the tribulation. This is this life. Whatever you live through is right here. Us right now is right here. Whoever is living in that end time, whoever that might be, it's green tape, right? And it can be hard. It can be good, too. But it can be real hard. This is the birth pains, right? This is, right, when it's at its darkest, they're going to be in the green tape. He says, here's how you are ready for that, is you remember this isn't your life. This is your life. This is the, the power and the glory of Christ that you will be spending eternity with, still growing in knowledge of who he is, and still growing. And It's not boring and playing a harp on a cloud. And it's going to be worship, and it's going to be glory. It's going to be life without, without weakness and sin and, and shame and tears. It's going to be amazing, and it's all of this, and it's going to have no end. And so while you're here, don't lose hope. Amen? 
That's how you're ready. Because if you don't, if you don't, all right, if you're going to do it, do it. Come on, let's clap. We don't do golf claps here, right? And you're clapping for Jesus, and, 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 and we know that because he's coming. Listen, if you forget that, man, this life will destroy you, won't it? It will. Don't lose hope. All right, so here's how I want us to finish. Just, I'm, I'm just skipping a couple of verses. If you're following along in your Bible, I'm not doing that to be, uh, you know, um, because I don't want to deal with them. It's really just saying he, he uses a fig tree as a metaphor. And he says there are leaves come out in the summer, and so when you see the leaves, you know it's summer. So like that, when you see these things, you know it's coming. That's the signs. It's coming. And so it, it, let, me, let me skip to 32 because I'm going to finish it off, and I just want you to notice this theme. It's really what we've been talking about, what we're boiling it down to, be ready. Right? He says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Say that again, because Jesus said it. No one knows. If I had a nickel for every sect, every group, every person who said they knew, I'd be a rich man. He says, no one's known. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. He's like, I don't even know. At least right now in his limited uh, taking on human form, he didn't know. Only the Father knows. So the point is, when is it? Where is it? All those juicy questions. The point is, be on guard. Keep awake. This doesn't mean you can't go to sleep. He says, be alert. Be ready. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home, puts his servants in charge, each with his work, that's really important, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, midnight, when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. Here's the culmination of what Jesus says, his farewell address in Mark, and what I say to you, I say to all, that's us, stay awake. It's like if you remember or or if you're uh, a young person and maybe this has happened recently, you might remember when your parents uh, left you home for the first time like for a weekend or you left your kids home. Scary times, right? And if you were to to leave your kids and say, hey, um, or even better, if you're the one left at home and your parents say to you, hey, we'll we'll be back. We're leaving for the week and we'll be back Sunday between like, you know, 6 and 7 p.m. What are you going to do? You're going to trash the place until about 4 4.30 4.30 maybe. 5.30 if you're a guy, all right? That's how it works. And, and then quickly try to get things in order so your parents don't kill you, right? And you do it miserably, but you try. But if instead they say, hey, we're leaving for the weekend, but we're not really sure when we're going to come home. We might come home, cut it short. We might be home Saturday morning, maybe Saturday during the day sometime, maybe Sunday, not sure. And you're like, oh, come on, give us more detail. Nope, right? So what are you going to do now? Well, you're going to keep it in order because at any moment that car might drive in the driveway. And that's what Jesus is saying. Be ready because you don't know. You don't know. And the last thing you want is saying, oh, no, my house is a mess. My life is a mess. I want to be ready. And so he, he just simply be ready always, always. If, if you... Um, it, it, and I want you to remember, right, when, when we asked this last question, are you ready, that, that those people, while they were waiting, what were they set to do? Work, right? Work. And so we wait, but we don't sit in a garage somewhere going like this, right? We work. He left us to do a job. Remember verse 10? The mission is the gospel. And so how, if, if we ask this question of ourselves, am I ready? Are you ready? 
Are you ready? Well, first, am I getting to know Jesus? Am I getting to know the real, genuine Jesus, and am I growing in that? That's one way. Two, where's my courage level when bad things happen to me, when persecution hits? Am I remembering that I have God with me and the Spirit will give me words, He'll give me the courage, He will save me in the end, even though this thing that I'm going through really is hard? That's one way to be ready. And lastly, am I doing the work He's called me to? That's a good question for you. He's called all of us as part of the mission. Right? You have a workplace. You have a family. You have a neighborhood. You have talents, abilities, and gifts. You have means that he's given you to work for the gospel. Are you ready? Are you working? And are you waiting? Where's your hope? Are you fixing your eyes on Christ? Or is your hope in the next weekend or next vacation or next job or amount of money? Or is it, you know what? Come what may in this green tape, my hope stays on the one who comes in the clouds with glory, power honor and authority. I'll just simply leave that with you to ask with the Lord, am I ready? Let's pray together. I'm going to pray out loud, but I'm just going to ask you to pray for others, pray for me, pray for yourself, whatever God leads you to. Pray for those who are with us online, blessed by them as well. Pray God for, I just have a heart to pray for those who are um, who are in the, the sound of my voice right now in this room or online or even later on are listening to this. I just pray for, their, for those who, don't, who, have, who aren't ready because they just have never trusted you, Lord Jesus, wholeheartedly. I'm asking for you to open their eyes with faith. I'm asking you, Lord, that they would see, they would see for the first time that you are the only way only truth, the only way to life, you, Jesus. Give them the courage, Lord, to let go of this world, let go of the hold that it has on them, the empty promises, that they would see it as a beautiful life, a hard life at times, but just the green tape. They have an eternity that is so much greater. Remind us of that, Lord. Remind us of that. I pray for anyone who just needs your comfort right now, Father. They're grieving or they're hurting or they're lonely or they're enduring persecution or know someone who is, that you would give them a beautiful image of you coming again, that they might know that you're with them. You're with them through this storm. You got this. Give them courage. But right now there seems to be none where they might feel they're on empty. Father, we ask for you to give us the courage to do the work you've called us to. To step into the place you've called us to be a part of this local church with so many others that are part of the church to go, to go to the ends of the earth or to our next door neighbor, wherever you've called us to go and to do. I pray for those who are going to Worcester today. They bring food, but they bring the joy of Christ. Bless them, use them. Pray for our missionaries. Encourage them, give them fruit today so that they might know they are doing what you've called them to do. Called us to a work, whether it's motherhood, or whether it's leading worship, or whether it's teaching kids, business, you've called us to do it. 
to be a part of your mission. Help us to do it, Lord. May all the honor, all of the glory go to you, Jesus. You deserve it. It's in your great, precious, holy name, all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship him.